Hello and welcome back to Touching Base PR Edition. My name is Jamie and I am still your host. In today's episode, I have an interview with Brianna Regine Walston, who is the founder of Brianna Regine Visionary Consulting, which is the strategic communications and marketing agency that helps creative brands. So it's super cool and she actually started this when she was still in college, which I think is so amazing. But She'll talk all about that during her episode. We also talk about what she looks for in interns, what interning for her looks like. And then we talk about getting into PR, picking colleges. It's such a great all-around episode. So excited for you guys to listen to it. But before we get into that, let me talk about personal, professional highlights for the week because let me tell you, this was such a good week. Starting with professional, I officially started a lot of my work for my um, grad assistantship this week. The person who currently has my position was moving to start his new job, so they asked me if I could cover the track and field event this weekend because that will be one of the teams I work with. So I, of course, said yes, and I got to follow along. I didn't go to the meet. It was in Florida, but I did not go to the meet, but I followed along, and then I actually wrote both the recaps, and I'm really proud of myself. It was honestly really, really scary. I was on the phone with my boyfriend being like, they're going to fire me before I even start, but I got the two releases done, and I'm honestly really, really proud of myself, so go me. Hopping into personal, I know I just said I didn't go to Florida with the team, but I was actually in Florida this week. I went and stayed with my grandparents, and it was so amazing because I haven't seen them since, like, COVID, so I got to go down to Florida. I saw them. I saw my cousin. I saw my aunt. It was a whole good weekend, just, like, good vibes. I only went for a few days, just the days I had off work, but all around good vibes was happy to be there all of that being said I want to hop into this episode but I also just want to remind you to follow touching base on instagram at touching base underscore pr there are so many exciting things coming and I honestly give a sneak peek of them in this episode so stay tuned touching base pr edition website coming soon so excited to share more details about it soon but I'm gonna keep saying soon but please just Follow us on Instagram and stay tuned for the rest of this episode. So can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes. Hello, everybody. My name is Brianna. I'm the founder and CEO of Brianna Raging Visionary Consulting. We are a strategic communications and marketing agency based in Connecticut, Um, I come from a background of, I call creative strategy these days, which is inclusive of brand development, digital marketing, public relations, and event management um, for about seven plus years now, I'd say up until present day. Um, And operations management is something that I also um, am well-versed in. Um, I offer through my agency as well. And that's also looped into the seven plus year kind of culmination of experience. So Mm -hmm. Happy to be here. Where in Connecticut are you? I'm in Bridgeport, South so Fairfield like, County. Right on the other side of the Long Island Sound, because I'm in Long. I'm on Long Island. Basically, basically, yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Love that. Did you grow up in Connecticut? I yeah, I would say we've been here for about 16 years or so. So yes, I'm not gonna you know completely disregard Connecticut, but I'm originally from New York, and I was there for at least a good like eight seven to eight years mm-hmm. of my um earlier life in the city or the suburbs uh I guess you would call it the suburbs but definitely not Connecticut or Long Island suburbs <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't Manhattan so mm-hmm. I'll say that 
So jumping right into the hot seat segment questions. Mm-hmm. The first thing I want to know from you is what would you do if you won the lottery? If I won the lottery, I'd probably do something like philanthropic. And I know that sounds like, oh, that's a good thing to say. No, but it's probably something having to do with animals or um, solving, you know, world hunger, homelessness, for sure. Mm-hmm. Part of the money would go there. Another part would probably be towards investments, for sure, real estate, um, retiring my parents, and just continuing to scale and maybe expedite the scaling of my current agency and the other businesses that I'm growing as well, just so I can continue to work because I enjoy it instead of, you know, surviving and that kind of thing. (laughs) So what is your favorite animal? Which animal would you, I guess, want to help the most? know what I immediately think of it's so bad in the arms of an age <laughs> so I automatically go to the dogs and cats also because <laughs> I have two dogs and a cat um so probably them but pretty much anything that's warm fuzzy snuggly mm-hmm. you can hold it reptiles not so much but you know I still want the best for them but yeah no <laughs> I was just talking about exotic animals today that's why I asked I was at my job and they were like filming us for media stuff so they were just like asking us random questions so mm-hmm. one of the questions they asked me was if you could own any exotic animal what would it be I Ooh. said a hedgehog I don't know if that's actually okay. an animal or not I don't but know I know either you but like, that's you cute need, like, a license to have one I think oh okay Okay, and they're cute. What exotic animal would you want? I mean, I'm not like savvy in exotic animals. So so I'm with you. I don't know, but I can tell you what I don't want. I don't want a snake. Mm -hmm. I don't want a snake. I I don't want an alligator. Um, I don't know if monkeys qualify as an exotic animal. I think monkeys are exotic. I feel like we don't really have them in America. Yeah, but they're cute. So I'll take a monkey. They are. But then, I'll, but then I'll give it back because I don't believe, you know, I don't have the bandwidth to give it the environment mm-hmm. that it needs. So I'd give it back. <laughs> My coworker said he would want a dolphin. That way he could ride it like a jet ski. Oh, well. <laughs> my, my, my quick phase of emotions there seen in my face. I was like, oh, uh, I mean, okay. To each his own. <laughs> yeah, well, an media person was like, guys don't like laugh in the background like I want to make sure like it has good sound quality and he's like a dolphin so I can ride it like a jet ski and he's like a big like muscular guy and he's like a dolphin and we're all sitting in the back and we're like dying oh my and we couldn't laugh because she was recording him (laughs) that's funny so now jumping to the other side of the questions the communications questions all of that Mm -hmm. first tell me a little bit about where you went to school and what you got your degree in yeah, so I went to UConn, Stanford campus. They have regional campuses in addition to the UConn campus, which is like upstate Connecticut. Um, and I majored in communications. I attended there all four years. Um, wasn't I didn't have a first choice when it came to my colleges, um, but in case you're interested in knowing, I did apply to USC. I applied to um, Emerson, um, Syracuse, some I got in, some I didn't. I applied mm-hmm. to a total of nine schools. Uh, sorry, 14 schools, and I got into nine of them. That's um, crazy. I applied to five schools. Yeah, well, that's a whole nother conversation, just well, about the culture of the school that I went to and, like, how the girls were. College was a very pressured 
mm-hmm. build canon there, I'd say. And even though I didn't necessarily feel as much pressure as they did, you just find yourself sort of, you know, rolling with it. And then before you know it, you apply to 14 schools. And I said, literally, that was not going to be me. And it was. Well, yeah, I, think, I mean, all my friends and like so many people I went to high school with, I'm like, how many schools did you apply to? They're like 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. And I'm like, I applied to five because my junior year of school, I toured Binghamton, which is where I ended up going mm-hmm. and I fell in love. And then I toured Oneonta and I was like, I like Oneonta. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get into Oneonta. Oneonta was my safety school. So I was like, those two, I'm solid. And then I just applied to like three random ones. Yeah. I mean, you definitely need like, you know, variety just to make sure that you do have options. Um, but yeah, 14, applying to 14 schools, applying to five schools, it adds up, especially when you're like, I remember being like, I have to pay to apply uh-huh. for college. Uh, what a scam. <laughs> the college admission process is a scam. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But and hey, you have, also have all those colleges like sending you fee waivers just to like so you apply and then like mm-hmm. so you applied for communications so how did you like know you wanted to work in communications yeah um I get this question often I feel lately just I guess speaking to my mentees and Um, It has allowed me to reflect on sort of like how I came to this decision. And I ultimately decided on the fact that it was more so like a subconscious thing that I sort of just picked up along the way. So in eighth grade, I, at least that's where I pointed back to, that's when I knew I wanted to be in entertainment. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I didn't know what that meant, but that's what I wanted to do. Um, And I have a godmother who has been in the entertainment industry for about 20 years or so, and she majored in communications. And so I guess throughout high school and sort of just speaking to different people, um, ironically, not necessarily her, like every now and then, but um, I just remember having that fact in my mind, like, you know, you you have a godmother who does really cool things, entertainment industry, and she majored in communications. Then when it was time to go to college, I'm sure more conversations started to happen between my mom, who was her best friend. Um, I'm sure um, at some point I spoke, you know, with her or she briefly dropped gems for me to pick up on. Um, Freshman year at UConn, I went in um, and they don't allow you to declare a major when you first go in. That might be the protocol for all colleges I don't know Um, but I remember sort of just you know exploring the different classes and once I spoke to my advisor I was just like yeah I'm just going to do comms because I knew at the end of the day I didn't want to be like a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that Mm -hmm. so um, comms just seem applicable to a variety of different industries and when I was looking at my resume that's really what I had done in some shape or fashion up to that point and yeah I just stuck with it I'm, I'm proud that I did. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Just I come from like a totally different perspective. I went into college thinking I wanted to be a doctor. Mm. So I started my freshman year as a neuroscience major. And then um, kind of like what you just said, when you look back at your resume, you realize that all your opportunities were kind of calm things. That's kind of when I realized I didn't want to be a doctor. And I was like looking at what have I done? everything I had done in high school opportunities I was trying to get in clubs in college and my sorority in college Mm -hmm. they were all PR opportunities and I was like I've been going for this without even knowing it yeah yeah 
and that's what I tell um, my mentees and like when I speak on panels and things like that, listen, you will be where you're meant to be. And the more you kind of embrace what sort of naturally comes to you and you naturally have like um, an affinity for, why not explore where that's coming from? What makes you fulfilled in that area? And, and I like having conversations with people, right? And I know that's sort of like a very broad interpretation of the communications field, but at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. You're telling narratives and you're telling stories in different ways, whether it's more of a marketing perspective or more PR perspective, whatever the case may be. Um, telecommunications, right? Like it's all you're communicating and engaging with different individuals. And um, as someone who was shy as a child, it's actually kind of odd for me to <laughs> come to that realization, but yeah, I just enjoy the way people think and how things come to be and learning the backstory, so. Honestly, so many of like the best PR people I know, I feel like they were all introverts as a child and they're <laughs> all a little bit introverted at times, but I feel like when you're really in your element, that's when it comes, that's when you're more, what's the opposite of in extroverted that's yeah, when your extroverted. extroverted side comes mm -hmm. out I cannot remember that word mm -hmm. that's when your extroverted extroverted side comes out yeah no it's true it's true um and you know different environments um or circumstances will cause you to sort of tap into that extrovertedness anyway and um I remember significantly going to Greenwich Academy um, which is a school that I went to for middle school and in high school it like forced me to sort of like tap into the outgoing Brianna, you know, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of stuck there. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me about the, any internships in school that you did or any jobs you had while you were in college, what were you doing to build your PR resume while you were in college? Yeah. Um, in college, there was actually a point where I was doing like seven or six things at one time that didn't last very long. Cause I got burnt out, but Going to UConn Stanford, it allowed me to build my resume while attending school because it was a commuter campus. Like I didn't stay on campus. I kind of just went to my classes and then went back home. Um, and in my mind, I just wanted to get as much experience as I could. So um, all of the things that I did related to marketing comps. Um, so, you know, marketing administrative assistant um, at a dance studio that I also taught dance at. Um, working for different startups as a marketing intern, whether it be more of like a research base or more social media and content production um, and a variety of other different things. And then eventually I started to, you know, put public relations on the title of some of the things that I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, and that sort of manifested into freelancing. So I was on Upwork for quite some time. I'm still on Upwork. It's a great resource. Um, and then I ended up at a agency. Uh, it was my senior year of college, um, end of junior year, going to senior year of college. And that was my first legitimate PR experience. Um, I was brought on as an intern. They really liked me. So technically I was doing account coordinator work. Um, you know, they expressed that they wanted me after graduation. And I was just kind of like, no, I think I'm gonna do it on my own. I, it was just some feeling that I had. Mm -hmm. um, but PR has always been a part of every job that I've had, even outside of, or I should say before college. Um, I started off as, I forget what my title was. I was like an independent researcher or something like that for um, 
the mother of the boys I used to nanny and babysit, she started her own PR company. And I was helping her in the morning pull the clips of her clients in the morning so that way she could send it out in like a newsletter or whatever. That was my first like glimpse into, mm -hmm. okay, clients get featured in this way, storytelling, what's essential conceptually, why does this make sense, you know? Um, yeah, and then that started showing up in, you know, blogging and then what I mentioned a few moments ago. So yeah, it, it was a variety of stuff. That's really one of those, like, you're meant to be in that place kind of situation. Like it was a babysitting job that turned into mm -hmm. you being able to learn about PR and media placements and all of that. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's really like an interesting, like connect to what you were saying before about telling your mentees, like you're going to end up exactly where you're supposed to be. For sure. For sure. And that's something that I also have to remind myself because I think I'm sure you can really like when you are ambitious um, and you just want so much of yourself, you'll be so stuck with like your head down in mm -hmm. it, just doing it. And you don't take a moment to look up and say, oh, well, I should probably give myself a little bit more grace because I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So every time I say that out loud and it resonates with someone, it sort of serves as a reminder to me that's like, yeah, remember when you just said that next time you're on your ass, like <laughs> make sure that you take a moment to pause um, and, you know, realize that everything happens for a reason everything happens for a reason. And I also think something important to remember is like remembering what you've done, even if yeah. you're not, if you're kind of like in the middle of something right now, it's like, I was sitting this morning, I was creating a website for this podcast. That's like something I'm like in the process of working on. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting here like struggling at the website. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know like how I'm going to launch. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I think back and it's like, I've released 42 episodes of this podcast. Like you've done something, you're on the right path. It's just another block in the road. Yep. I literally just told my mentee that this afternoon, like literally, <laughs> um, she just got a job. It wasn't the job that she wanted per se, in terms of like her first entry level job. Like she just had this perception of it, but I had to remind her, I said a few weeks ago, you said you just wanted a job because you didn't have one now you have one right so you really have to take a moment to acknowledge every single milestone big or small um because this industry can get it can get tough you need those reminders for sure yeah and definitely something I was talking to someone about a few weeks ago imposter syndrome is like so real especially mm -hmm. like now it's May so it's graduation seasons and yeah. final season so everyone's going on LinkedIn posting I got this job or I got this internship and whatever and you're sitting there watching those and it can be really really challenging mm -hmm. yeah and that's honestly that's for any industry that's for anything you do but particularly for PR um, especially for those that provide publicity as a service like when people post where they got their clients just like like sometimes you do have those moments where it's like, okay, mm -hmm. when is it going to be my turn? Um, but it's a grind. You have to keep going and understand, first of all, not every client belongs on certain platforms. That's mm -hmm. the first thing. Um, but the second thing is you can't validate your work based on what other people are doing or what other people perceive that you're doing you have to validate yourself it has to come from within and that's something that when I do have my moments of imposter syndrome I have to you know remind myself or at least keep in mind like I think it's okay to validate your feelings in the moment but also don't let them overwhelm you to the point that you're completely self-degrading um 
you know, I think two can exist at the same time. You can be down and out and feeling, um, you know, a lack of motivation, but you can also have that fire within you, your why, your purpose. That's like, okay, girl, you know, you're going to be fine, right? <laughs> I think it's important to have those two things um, in this, in this industry. Yeah. So now kind of on the opposite of talking about imposter syndrome and feeling down, like you have your own agency. So tell me about how you got to starting your agency. What were you doing in between college and starting your agency? And then why did you start your agency? Yeah. So I, technically I started my agency in college. Technically. Um, I started it the December of my senior year. Um, so by the end of December, I already had my name. I was already brainstorming. Um, and it was just one of those things, like I mentioned before, I just felt in my gut. I was like, you have a empathetic approach for how you work with people or how you feel like working relationships should be with individuals particularly those that are building these brands like that's you're working with someone's dream in your hand right um so I just went along with that feeling and fortunately I had the support of my parents who you know provided emotional and mental support for me to take that leap and so you know um 2017 came around I was about to graduate that May and the month of uh, February, I was like, you know what, guys, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. And I left the agency that I was at, left the job on the table, and I just started. Um, what I do now definitely wasn't all, like, organized and put together <laughs> when I started. Like, you sort of just have to do it. And then that's when what you like to do and what you don't like to do becomes a little bit more refined. Um, so to your point about your website, just put it out there. And then through time and through feedback from customers or not customers, viewers, right? Um, potential guests, you'll start to update it and make it more mm -hmm. um, functional um, for them. And that's really what building this agency has been. It's been a lot of trial and error. And I literally just posted about this probably this week. Um, it was an imposter syndrome post and sort of just how it's only now going on five years where I feel the founder and CEO title as heavy as, as it's mm -hmm. ever been. And that's a blessing, right? Because I prayed for what I have going on right now. Um, but it, it's, it's not easy. You sort of just have to do it, revisit it, analyze. Okay, how can I do that better? Um, and it's been a lot of that. <laughs> you know, it, 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 I started wanting to serve anyone and everyone that I possibly could. Now, obviously, no, <laughs> that's not the case. There are particular criterias, if you will, that mm -hmm. um, um, of brands that I like to work with. But again, you don't know until you know. Right. So. It's all about testing the waters and finding out what works and what doesn't work and what people like and what people don't like. Everything is constantly changing mm -hmm. in both business, in the world, everywhere. Things are just always changing. Yeah. So what you put out now is not going to be what you put out tomorrow or what you put out the next day. Everything is going to be changing. So it's time that you just do it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. <laughs> right on the head. So tell me a little bit about the process of starting your agency and mm -hmm finding your first clients and getting your feet off the ground and then tell me what it's evolved to what does it look like for you now yeah so while I was at my the last agency that I was working at I was actually 
freelancing through Upwork, like I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I started my own agency, two of those clients actually fell under my name now, right? Um, So instead of me being a freelancer, I kind of started to frame everything under VR Visionary Consulting. Um, But when I first started, I wasn't necessarily doing PR for them because they weren't PR ready. So when I first started, it was like, okay, I'm preparing you to eventually need Mm -hmm. PR. So there was more of a focus on brand development and digital marketing. Plus, I was still new to at least the media relations publicity aspect of PR. Mm -hmm. So I had to get my feet wet. I, um, I got more experience doing that Um, or so I'll say my experience continued from when I touched it at certain moments from my other experiences when I worked with a local artist here in Connecticut that was about maybe a year and a half into when I started Um, and then from there PR became more of a exercise skill that I could say all right now I'm getting or attracting clients that aren't ready for PR but now there are some that are right Mm -hmm. um and so probably about three we're in year four and some change now going into year five so I'd say probably around the end of year two going into year three I was like all right I need to create a different tier for folks who may not necessarily be PR ready but I like doing PR more than I like the preparatory work mm-hmm. like a change it, it it completely changed um I found that clients that were more ready for PR just had more to work with and they also had an appreciation for how PR and collectively marketing um work it's a process I'm not a magician mm-hmm. <laughs> so um now the clients that I like to work with understand their process so, sort of like what we were talking about before Um, And if they don't understand that it is a process, at least through the discovery call and the strategy call, and I explain to them how this works, they're like, okay, I get it. Um, So it's definitely been an evolution of um, client, uh, I'd say, reputation or or credibility. Um, But there's also been an evolution of confidence that sort of directs um, what happens from the top down right mm-hmm. um so yeah that definitely has been a significant evolution um for I love the RVC and the agent and the agency you yeah. mentioned about PR not being a magic and that it's a process <laughs> I think that sometimes clients come and they just kind of expect hey so you'll get me in like Vogue by next week, right? Like that's yeah. how this works. And yeah, no, not nope. how it works. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. And when you're first starting out, that can feel like imposter syndrome. It felt like it for me. I'll say, and I'm very candid about this. I did not call myself a publicist from the first day I started my business. I felt like I didn't earn that. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have that. It probably wasn't until 12 months where I actually changed like my Instagram bio to say publicist or something like that. Right. Um, it's a scary title to have. It's, it's, it can be, it can be. Um, and also too, it was now that social media has changed what or how PR operates. Um, there are some folks that feel like 
they can just grab that title and you know they do the intricacies of PR when quite frankly they don't right and so now it's like okay well this person is claiming that they're a publicist and they may create the perception of whatever people think PR is because you'll get folks that, okay, it's just social media. Oh, you're a socialite. Like it just, it ranges of the, the general perception, but you're, you're fighting that, right? Or at least in the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that's why, like I mentioned before, it's so important for the validation to just come from within because once the validation comes from within and you're not so worried about what other people are doing or what other people may think that you're doing then any title that you choose to call yourself um you can rise to that occasion and as long as you can speak to it then no one else can really shoot that down I feel like kind of what happened was that I feel like public publicists and like PR people people never really knew what that entailed. People they never still don't. Knew. Right. <laughs> but then with the onset of social media, people sometimes now think that they understand like, oh, PR, that's just social media, like just putting up an Instagram post. And no, that actually falls under a whole category of like social media marketing. Like yep. there's so many different tiers and like no one really understands the intricacies of that until they're in it. Right. So like, I think that also contributes to the, imposter syndrome that occurs with the PR world because I think so many people on the outside it's like oh you don't have a job yet why can't you just like get up an Instagram post like why aren't you doing that mm-hmm. yeah yeah no it, it's it's definitely been when you ask me you know how, what was the process of starting my agency I just think of so many different things I think of things that are external like on the client side I think of things that are internal in terms of just the infrastructure of my agency and then internally me as the founder and owner and CEO of this machine right um there's been a lot of you know evolutions but one thing that I'm really proud of present day and I hope to continue to be proud of is our integrity Mm -hmm. you know I I'm very adamant about measuring as best as I can, getting my receipts and making sure that my clients feel like I'm not just taking their money because, you know, I say I'm I say that I can do something, right? Like, no, you're paying me to do a service. So you're putting fire under my butt to get it done. Right. And and plus that's good business. Good business is being honest and transparent and accountable about what you're gonna bring to the table. And I think that's why I've been able to retain the clients that I've been able to retain Mm -hmm. and attract the ones that I've been able to attract. And um, even from a team perspective, um, you know, shout out to every intern and every contractor and every just silent supporter in the background, you know, like all of that is a testament to my work, my self-reflective work and how I want that to show up in the culture of my business. Yeah. So talking about getting receipts and (laughs) getting those results for your clients, Mm -hmm. um, what are like daily tasks that you do on a daily basis to ensure that you're providing the best services for your clients? What are the things that you do on your day-to-day life? (laughs) Every day is different, um, but particularly for my clients. And I'd say, I'm going to go with the internal first. The internal aspect is we're still startup right? We haven't quite reached year five. Um, And so being that we are a startup, and honestly, even when we pass year five, 
I always want to make sure that my clients understand that they are in the best hands. And so that means for me, making sure that I'm doing my research and staying abreast of the trends of how PR is being measured, you know, how our industry is being measured or um, different terminologies or different tactics, different strategies. Um, so I'm always doing research. Like that is part of my mm -hmm. day to day um, in some shape or form. Um, weekly check-ins I have with all of my clients. Everybody's on a different day, but weekly check-ins for sure. Um, and then, you know, as fortunately, as my company continues to grow, um, up until <clears throat> I'd say probably a year and a half ago, I was doing most of all of, you know, client work still am still touching it, <laughs> but I have, a, I have help now. Mm -hmm. And that is essential to me because if I'm spread too thin, then that means the productivity of what I'm able to give to my clients is also spread thin. And then that's not good. Right. Um, and the bigger retainers you get, you definitely don't want to be spread thin. That's not mm -hmm. a good thing. Um, so yeah, also just making sure that I'm training my staff and, and, and meeting them in the middle, right. To make sure that they are doing the best work and not, allowing things to fall through the cracks, especially as them being a part of the team. I wanna make sure that we all are on the same page. So um, there's a few external and internal things that happen on a day-to-day -day, um, basis just to make sure that the client experience is top tier. And, you know, I haven't even scratched the surface of that. That's a whole nother operations department <laughs> within the agency that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm looking to build because I constantly want to make sure that, you know, as I move farther away from talking to clients every day or week to week, that they still feel confident and trust us to be on their team and, and to get the job done and to, you know, share with the world the amazing things that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think having a team, making sure you're not spread too thin, making sure you know your limits yeah. is really, really important. Mm -hmm. So tell me when you're hiring team members or when you're hiring interns, what are you looking for from those people? What are you expecting them to know? Are you expecting them to be more passionate? What are you looking for? That's a, that's actually a really good question because sort of related to the evolution of like the founder CEO, right? Like myself, um, that that um, definition of what I'm looking for is changing. So mm -hmm. when I first started, it was, I'd say, probably more of the passion. The passion along with some sort of experience, whether that be technical or soft skills, uh, conceptual, you know, that kind of thing. Now, it's definitely more so I need folks to have some sort of technical skill set mm -hmm. just because the days are only getting busier and I'm not as free to do the I'm going to hold your hand the entire time that I did in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, you know, in addition to the basics, like research skills, having a work ethic, being willing to take initiative, um, 
initiative is key in marketing comms. Like I cannot stress that enough, especially in PR, you're going to be told no so many times. Um, so being willing to take initiative, think outside of the box, um, not being afraid to tap into your resources, right. And sort of ask for help. Um, and also you're telling stories that come from human beings. I know that sounds like a really like duh phrase, <laughs> but I think that's why I started my company. I feel like if people were a little bit more empathetic, the world may be a happier place, mm -hmm. maybe, right? And so when I'm dealing with my clients, um, a lot of them are either, you know, one, uh, one man or one woman shows or, um, they are a startup in their own right, mm -hmm. or they've been around forever and maybe they're not a startup, um, but their teams are really small. So the commonality between all those different examples is that there's a sense of not family orientedness, although that can exist, but it's more so just, it's easier to be grounded, you know, and like more tangible mm -hmm. um, to whatever cause that they're uh, striving to bring awareness to. Um, and so with that, I need team members who are culturally aware and who are um, willing to even do an element of self-reflective work within themselves so that way they can show up to work as um, the best version of themselves. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's definitely a mix of, um, um, I'm blanking, <laughs> uh, soft skills and technical skills, mm -hmm. definitely um, a need of the technical skills now, just because I'm not trying to plateau. I'm trying to continue to grow. And mm -hmm. the growth is not only a selfish thing, it's okay, I have to feed y'all now, <laughs> right? Like, like you're working with me, but I want to be able to continue to pay you to do work and to grow that that payment amount, especially if you show up and you're killing it. I'm very I'm very big on that. Like I do not want any person on my team to feel undervalued. If you feel undervalued and if you feel like you're not learning anything, then that means I'm doing a horrible mm -hmm. job, horrible job. Um, and I think that's sort of where my passion comes from. I started this like bare bones if you ask me what I feel my purpose in life is it's to help people how I go about doing that my agency is just one way to do that mm -hmm. um and so I'm all about serving people and I want to serve my team like they are quote-unquote serving me right um and my clients so yeah so tell me about what interning for you might look like mm, that's a good question um, well, all the feedback that I've gotten, <laughs> all the feedback that I've gotten has been overwhelmingly positive, which is a blessing to say. Um, I am not the company that will say I need coffee, blah, 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 blah. And I always say this joke partially because I don't like coffee. Um, due to COVID, we're also not working, you know, together. But even before COVID, I'm not bringing you on to just do mundane work. That's not mm -hmm. what we're doing. If you want the experience, if you want to get 
a real sense of, do you want to get into digital marketing? Do you want to get into brand development? Do you really want to be on the side of operations? Do you want to do PR? You're either going to say yes after my internship, or you're going to be like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has been consistent feedback, um, which is great. Because like I said a moment ago, if you feel like you're not learning, that means I'm doing something horribly wrong. Um, I can say as well, my interns have gone on to do amazing things, which always makes me really happy when I get, you know, can I get a recommendation? And um, then it ends up manifesting into either a job or getting into grad school, um, uh, you know, getting another internship opportunity, Mm -hmm. proud to do something um, for, you know, college credit that's actually rewarding you know like little those little moments of feedback is what um reminds me of you know why I started the internship program in the first place and what I wanted to become I want to do so much more with it but so far it's 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 creating clarity for a lot of college students and that's really all I can ask for because when I was in college I wish I had more, more people who cared enough, mm-hmm. you know, and internships like that are so important. And so I feel like it's so hard to come by. Yeah. I think that my first internship was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I did so much hands-on work. I wrote a like intern diary at the end of the summer of my internship. And I wrote like, nothing I did was busy work. Every pitch I wrote, sent out, everything I did was out there. Mm -hmm. And then like my second internship around, I just like did not feel like I saw any of the benefits of any of the work I was doing. I was Mm -hmm. asked to write a press release and I wrote this press release and I sent it to the guy and he was like, oh yeah, I'll make some feedback. I'll change it up, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I never got that feedback back on it. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like an internship where I just like felt like I was doing work and it wasn't getting anywhere. So- that being said, how does someone go ahead and apply to intern for you? You can honestly, you know, email me directly. Um, my email is Brianna at brvisionaryconsulting.com. I don't know when this is going to go live, um, but if I don't answer, you could always go to info at brvisionaryconsulting.com. Um, I'm actually about to make the summer enrollment for interns um, public. So yeah, and I'm looking for interns year round. You know, um, if you want that hands-on experience, if you want to know if you know the marketing or communication industry is right for you, I encourage you. You know, to reach out. The only thing that I ask is you have an understanding that you definitely are going to get that hands-on experience. If you want it, that's what you're gonna get. Going off of that, you said you don't like your interns getting you coffee because you're not a coffee drinker. So mm-hmm. just curious, what is like your beverage of choice? Mm, I'm be really boring say water. <laughs> <laughs> just because that's most, I mostly drink water. Um, I don't really like warm drinks. I don't like warm drinks. So mm-hmm. that's why, co- that's one of the reasons why it's coffee's off the table other than the fact that I just don't like the taste of coffee. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to go with water. I know. I also don't like coffee, but I- love the smell of coffee I don't mind the smell of coffee and like 
my friends are like, hey, can we go to Starbucks? And I'm like, yeah, like I'll just walk into a Starbucks. Like I love <laughs> just, this. And I think even yeah. just the smell of coffee, like I feel like you break the benefits of the coffee. I would just- hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. I definitely hope so. Now, so. I just have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. And it's if you could go back and look at your whole path and change anything or do anything differently, mm-hmm. is there anything that you would do differently? I feel like someone asked me this and I don't remember the answer um but I'm sure it was an answer that I didn't necessarily think about because every time you guys ask me stuff like this I'm like oh yeah I should probably unpack that (laughs) but um if I could go back and do anything differently um I'd probably ask for help sooner Mm -hmm. that might have been my answer but yeah, I, I probably asked for help sooner. I still find it challenging to ask for help. Still working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, going back to what we spoke about earlier and sort of like the title of publicist, I don't know, for whatever reason in my mind, I have this idea of, no, I got to do it. I, I have to do it. So, because when people ask me, it, it has to be, no, Brianna did it. She and she just can't accredit that to anybody else, but it's it's not about that, you know. And I don't think I carry that mentality on like public facing, but I think subconsciously, somewhere along the line, it was like drilled into my head from wherever. I can't even tell you where it comes from. Um, and I'll be frank and also say I think just in general, as a black woman, we don't ask for help enough. Um, partially because we haven't been afforded the positive reciprocation of when we do ask mm-hmm. for help, we get it, right? So there's that element too. But I do know that there are people out there who want to help because I'm one of the people that helps. <laughs> so, you know, I, I definitely would have asked for help more. I would have asked for more guidance. I would have, um, you know, maybe spoken to someone that founded their company um, while in college, you know, transitioning to become a graduate. I would have spoken to a financial advisor sooner. I would have spoken to an accountant sooner, you know, just things that you don't know until you know. Um, But yeah. So I absolutely love that answer. And I think it is such relatable content that everyone needs to hear. And it's also an answer that no one has ever answered me before. Yeah. I think that knowing when to ask for help and knowing that it's okay okay to need help and knowing that it's okay to have a second set of eyes and all Mm -hmm. of that is something like we shy away from yeah because we want to be this is something I did on my own I'm so proud of it but when it comes down to it as long as you accomplish it as long as it's something that gets done like it's a something to be proud of in itself regardless of who helped you with it for sure yeah and that's definitely the more the mentality that I have now I think the you know that subconscious mindset I hear less of it what I hear more of now is the imposter syndrome which I don't know how I don't see enough people talking about this but I feel like a side effect is of imposter syndrome is not asking for help because you don't want someone to get the epiphany Mm -hmm. that you need help right like and and it's so bizarre. I've never actually said that out loud, but I think that also plays 
a part into why we just don't say anything because and it's also that survival mentality like I'm gonna figure it out anyway like mm-hmm. I got it I'm gonna figure it out but the greats you know the Beyonce's the Diddy's the Barack Obama's like Oprah whomever they had teams they have people who helped them um and they don't discredit them in any way and I know that as I continue to tell my narrative and have more conversations like this like whenever I can shout out the folks that have helped me big or small you know intern contractor employee eventually like I'm always gonna give that credit Mm -hmm. always and I think that that is so important to give credit because I think that when people don't give credit, you think that it's something they did all all on their own. And I think that contributes to the idea of not wanting to ask for help. But the reality behind it is that everyone has someone behind them, even if it's just their support system, taking stress off their back, or it's someone ghostwriting a book for you. Like if it's something as big as that, or it's something as small as just your support system, everyone has help behind them. And I think we need to normalize that. I agree. I definitely agree. So anyway, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story and talking all things communications and all of that with me. It was so great having you on the show. You're welcome. Likewise, I'm always willing to, like I said, I love to have conversations. So so I'm always willing to talk and connect with individuals like you and um, hopefully provide some affirmation, some clarification, um, and just some encouragement for your listeners who you know, are trying to navigate the marketing comms, or I should just say communication space in general. It's not easy, but it's also not impossible. 